0: Do you like aliens, UFOs, cryptids, and the supernatural? What about self-defecating humor? Uh, actually, it's self-deprecating humor. Well, you may both be right. Alien Theorist Theorizing is a comedy podcast that examines cases like Roswell, Bigfoot, or the Atacama Alien. If any of these topics pique your interest, subscribe to Alien Theorist Theorizing free anywhere you find podcasts or go to alientheorists.com.
1: Hey, everybody, it's Joe Trippi, and welcome back to That Trippi Show. Tons to get to today, too much to fit into one episode, so instead we're going to zoom out and talk big picture. Many of you have asked, what does the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade mean for the midterms? Are the committee hearings breaking through? Is there positive momentum for Democrats? To talk about all this today, Alex and I wanted to bring back our good friend, Paul Maslin, who... Oh gosh, we've worked on uh, several campaigns. Uh, Paul, uh, I think is one of the best pollsters in America, and uh, he worked. Uh, was instrumental in developing the messaging for Doug Jones' uh, uh historic upset campaign in two thousand seventeen in that special election that Doug won. Uh, Paul, thanks for being with us today. Oh, I'm glad to be here, Joe. Interesting times, aren't they? Yeah, they sure are. Alex, where where do you want to get started here?
0: Um, this is not a football podcast, Paul. Otherwise, we'd have a lot to talk about. So I think we got to start with the big question. Um, and this is something that the three of us have been talking about quite a bit. What is the impact of Roe versus Wade's overturning by the Supreme Court in the Dobbs decision? What is that going to be on the midterms, guys?
2: I'll take it in, in, in quickly in three different, form, three different pieces. I think it's the first time I've seen an indication that our base could be as mobilized and and set up and jazzed up for an election as theirs. Everything prior to this has suggested that, you know, the classic midterm form, the party out of power is the one that's aggrieved and they're the ones that are the most intense. And we've seen that in some of the primary voting, although you never Want to draw too many conclusions about primaries versus a general election, but you saw it last year in Virginia and all the rest of it. And I'll, I'll tell you, in the wake—and again, we're just a week into this—but in the wake of of the Supreme Court decision, I have seen a tremendous uptick of interest all of a sudden in the election among progressives, among Democrats. So that would be number one. Second thing is that I I, I think that it absolutely creates a fault line that it will cause significant difficulty, how long lasting and how much it costs for them to repair it, uh, the Republicans, but it's going to cause significant difficulty with Republican women, with independents, moderate and and moderate to liberal independents and whatever Republicans are left, you know, that they desperately need in this election. And I have already seen movement uh, toward our candidates, and and you know, and I and that also it's it's also going to apply, I think, to millennials. Uh, so it 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 creates a real significant electoral problem for them in the middle of the electorate as well as as with our base. And the third thing I would say is, and this is the confluence of events, I think, with with the hearings as well. I you know we have a this is a weird election year for all kinds of reasons. I just came out of the field somewhere, Joe where, and Alex, where right direction, wrong track, is at 8% for the country. That single digits, that, that I have never seen that before in 40 years, and, it, and it's led me to this conclusion. It's, I'm, I don't wanna discount, yes, Joe Biden's unpopular, the Democrats are in power, I get it. Everybody in this country has a reason to be upset about something, everybody does. Everybody has somebody that they're afraid of or angry at or, you know, that that is that is somehow afflicting them so that they think things don't work in all kinds of different directions. And that Venn diagram between Democrats and Republicans rarely intersects and even with independents only in certain ways. So we're all upset. But now perhaps the stakes get raised in a way that the that our side's upset our fear about what is this court has already done, what the future court could do, what is happening on the electoral front in terms of democracy, all those lines start to intersect and this becomes a tremendously big stake election where it is not simply about candidate A versus candidate B, but what is in fact this, the balance of this country and who's gonna control it and what does that mean? And I I just think the last week has 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 changed the ante dramatically.
1: You know, Paul, you're starting to see that, too, though, in the generic polls that have come out recently, where all of a sudden Democrats, you know, the Marist poll had Democrats at 48, generic D at 48, Republicans at 41. You, you know, I mean, and, and there were several of them. It was, you know, the Morning Consult, the YouGov poll, and also the split pro-choice Dem versus pro-life R's. 4732 so you're seeing that you know a, again w- way too early to know right. uh, and the other thing we do know too is that it like in 10 days something else could be totally blowing up yeah <laughs> but but i think what you're saying is true you could feel sort of like the trend here of this becoming a very high stakes election not just sort of the the usual you know where they can get by with with petty cultural attacks that that, do, right. that distract everybody, the new shiny object. I don't think is going to work as well. And and no one's
2: going to deny that inflation in the economy don't matter in this election. Of course they do, or that crime doesn't matter in some cases, or immigration, or all the normal, you know, essentially the issues the Republicans were planning to run run on. Um, they're still significant, but I don't think you know. I, you made a very good point, Joe we're all been we've all been trained to say well that's just you know the politics of the moment or the story of the moment and we move on we've seen that with trump repeatedly including the most classic example obviously with the billy bush tape in in 2016 and then you know we think it's definitive and it's not but i do think that when you're talking about 50 years and fundamental rights being taken away and the chaos that has now been created. That's the other thing that that will linger. It's not simply that the Supreme Court made a decision. It's that we're now broken into half and some states do this and some states do that. And some women and potentially children are going to be suffering and others are are better off. and, And how does that shake out? And I think it's gonna be chaotic and I think The blame will come primarily at this conservative movement, and what have they done? And a lot of people never expected this was going to happen. Even two or three months ago, before the Alito uh, decision was leaked, they still didn't think it was going to happen.
1: Well, even after the memo was leaked, people still... the denial of knowing what was coming, you know, it was still a shock when it actually happened. I think people and a lot of the women I talked to, you know, are just, even though they knew it was coming, the the, the fact that it happened, it, there was still like a, a lot of pain, a lot of anger, a lot of fear that was caused by it. But you look at like the new poll in Georgia, we know Biden's numbers, approval rating is really low, Warnock's ahead 54-44 against Herschel Walker. That can't be, I mean- these these numbers that we're starting to see, even the the generic numbers I talked about a few minutes ago, those are all numbers where Dems have gone ahead on generic, you know, congressional, right? With with Biden's numbers being where they're at, and I'm not sure, In the, right. I'm not sure we're seeing peak whatever this is yet because we are only a, a week into, you know, a right. week or so into it.
2: And 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 what? And again, it's like every bit of. Political science background I have, and every bit of campaign experience that we've all had in many of these midterm elections when we've seen, you know, obviously the first Clinton midterm was the shock of the Democrats losing the Congress and then Obama with Obamacare. And again, we lost that, we lost substantially in the House. We've all seen these trends and we've all been conditioned to say, President unpopular midterm is a disaster for he and his party. I I have a feeling that we've jumped a shark here, though, and that, that. We're in a very different paradigm where, as I said, everybody is mad. There's nobody defending any flag, right? Everybody's mad about something. And and it may come down this November to which side is more fearful of the other and, you know, and and what it would mean for the other to either retain power or to gain power. And that may end up becoming the key factor. And I think it, you know a reasonable person would have to say right now that's a really close call um it's not definitive at all that it's that it's the republicans or the conservatives are the ones that are going to be the most upset
1: yeah no i, I think that's right uh and, and i think well so where do you put the hearings in all of this i know you said that it, you you think in, in your you know that it's having an impact i've you're seeing i think some even a lot of Trump supporters starting to th- th- not that they don't support him anymore, but they're saying things like, well, "I hope he doesn't run," you know, that kind of stuff.
2: I think that there's two things I know for certain, and there's a third that I'm I'm, I'm I have a question about, and and I think we're gonna have to see how it plays out. What I know for certain is, prior to Roe, the number one issue among the Democratic base across this country was the question of democracy and the threat to democracy, and so. Uh, the hearings have only and there were, by the way, a lot of people in DC and a lot of our consultant chattering class, Joe, that you and I know yeah. so well, uh, were in denial about that for a lot of 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 the last year, year and a half. But clearly it's been there and it's been the top concern. Right. Now, it yeah. may very well be that abortion and choice in, in the wake of Roe may rise to the level or even supplant it, who knows? But it's been number one. And and the hearings only, I think, you know, intensify that feeling. I don't think it is only choice that has all of a sudden produced this uh, big change in terms of engagement on 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 uh, on the Democratic side. I, I think I think the the whole question of January sixth and the hearings and you know are are is, are also contributing. So that's one thing. Second thing I also believe is I do think I'm just going to be I don't pretend to be an expert about Republican primary voters. Or all of that dynamic, we, you know, we have enough time pr- trouble with our own party. Right. Having said that, I I think this is the beginning of the end for him, and and whether it's exactly how it happens, whether it, it it's partly because of a criminal indictment or whether it's partly because of, you know, Ron DeSantis or somebody coming out of the woodwork and just saying enough is enough, and and people sort of saying to themselves, I think he's right or or they're right but i i i i do no longer expect even though he in the irony you know brutal irony way he would be our easiest opponent to defeat in 2024 um i don't expect that donald trump is is going to be the republican nominee i'm not totally sure he'll be a candidate what i don't what i don't know joe is the middle is the middle gonna say we're sick of this whole story and why won't people move on? And, you know, and whereas, you know, abortion could be somebody's rights, could be affecting them personally. There's still a lot of people that while they are, they shudder about the whole thing, they're disgusted by it. They also see it in a partisan light and, you know, and wish somehow that we could just put it behind us. And, and I, so I don't know whether politically With the middle of the electorate, it still has the same force. Um, But I don't, like I said, I don't know. It could, it could also be a major factor in terms of November elections, not simply energizing the Democratic base.
1: Well, I think it's highlighting the extremism of the MAGA movement, you know, which, which is also exacerbated then by the court going to these extremes on Roe v. Wade and you know, and, and the other things that they've been ruling on guns, et cetera. So. I think there there's like a, a, a you know I think right now we're in a place where the party that it, 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 it's sort of your a different take than yours on who do they fear the most I think who they fear the most is who is their extreme elements in both parties they think and the one that's going to the furthest extreme the one that that, that that's doing the most extreme things is the one that's going to you know you know create the problem the bigger problem for that party right now that's I think clearly. Uh, showing up is a big problem for Republicans in the yeah, and, and 2022.
2: We're involved in the Wisconsin Senate race. And, you know, you've seen this incredible, almost comic display of Ron Johnson running away from every single person trying to ask him about this fake elector scheme. And believe me, that is not a positive for his reelection campaign. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, I, I think it's it's got to be worrisome uh, over there. And again, they also have, they've been able, to their credit, we all can wax a lot about the flaws of our democratic and electoral system, which were our, our legion. But one of the things we've seen you know, in the era of Trump is that the conservatives hold together extremely well. They're very disciplined. You know, they, they avoid people straying from the reservation even under the most duress, but they're being tested like never before now. Because uh, there is, it's a maybe a very silent minority, but there is a group of people on their side of the ledger that are just horrified by both of these developments, or, or by at least one of them, and that's going to cause that's going to cause some pressure and some some strain uh, in terms of producing a vote in November.
1: So I don't I don't want to uh, out whatever state was the eight percent state that you talked about on on. Uh uh, you know, uh, on, uh, the right track, wrong track question, but is there some place, I mean, it, it, or, and I, I don't want to pin down you, you down in Wisconsin, but it, it, have you, because I know you're in the field in a lot of places. So is there an example of a, of a shift, not, not the names or anything, but that's something you've, you've seen in the last week, um, uh, that, that gives you this confidence or that you're seeing some pattern. Yeah. What I would say is I've already seen
2: evidence of a combination of Republican women, independent women, millennials, college educated voters, suburban voters moving significantly. And again, that's immediate. Does that hold in two weeks, three weeks, a month? Does it hold in three months when they get inundated with messaging about You know all the issues we know that the conservatives are going to play at and and you know remains to be seen but but it's not nothing
0: to to that point you know you mentioned kind of the the general, but looking at Democrats for a second, one of the questions that that we've seen a lot of is how do we make this stick? I know you said earlier that Democrats are getting more enthusiastic, and that was a big problem in most of the ballots you'd see. And, And I think we all know we're facing a much more enthusiastic Republican electorate, and hopefully that's changing. But the idea that even really before this gets to the hearings, are the hearings breaking through in in a way that you think will be meaningful? I, one of the one of the things that Joe and I talked about probably two months ago was a, a poll of Democratic voters had like I, it was really low. It was only like one in four thought our democracy was seriously under threat. H- have you seen that shift?
2: I think we can compare. The problem is you start comparing a poll versus a poll versus a poll. I will simply say, Alex, that we when we ask a group of issues sometimes it's four or five issues sometimes it's seven or eight and they have all the normal you know suspects in there there's healthcare is going to be in there and inflation's in there and the economy and we've had choice and we've had guns occasionally and we put immigration in there and you, you just put them all together among base democratic voters the threat to democracy has been number one or at the least number two for months even before the hearings really kicked in, in in major gear. So it's, it has been there as a, as a real issue among our base from the get go. And, and I don't think that's going to change. And I think that is a unique, you know, we, we've never had democracy itself on the ballot. And none of us really know. What does that mean in terms of, extra turnout, extra intensity. I know that, for example, I'll give you a good, a, one case. In the end of, remember 2000 and uh, what was the re-election year for Obama? 2012, right? Right, yeah. And there were some concerns about turnout in some of the key states. He came to Wisconsin, where I, I was living at the time, and I've, I've lived for 20 years. He came to Wisconsin three times in the last week, twice to Milwaukee and once to Madison. And on all three times, he started talking about the Republicans trying to take away your right to vote and voter suppression. And, you know, and I, I can't, I don't remember, Joe, what was the specific impetus for it back then? But he mentioned it all three times in a very overt fashion um obviously that you know the messaging we never really got in 2016 that that had any impact you know and i'm not blaming him right. or hillary i'm just saying it never happened right and boy did that produce extra turnout and extra votes and this is now not isolated to one particular group or another this is an this is a given what they have stated publicly what some of their candidates many of their candidates are claiming what the people that are trying to get control of Secretary of State's offices or governors or working with legislatures say they could do in the future. We've never had a test of democracy on the ballot like this before. And I I don't want to I don't want min- to exaggerate the impact because, yeah, there's still a bunch of other issues that really matter to people that affect their day-to-day lives. But we've never had this kind of focus before. And I, I don't. I don't. I'm a fool if I say I'm, I can predict exactly what the electoral impact will be in November,
1: except to say I think it's going to be something. I, I just see it growing, not not because I mean, I mean the the hearings are going to continue. I think we're each time we're stunned by you know new revelations. I mean, uh, uh, it's clear that the or the Cipollone, you know. Uh, testifies or i mean in other words i just don't see it see i think people more and more people are it, it's getting harder to avoid right the the news i mean about what this is and what actually happened and and i think so that number of people who who were the where it seeps in how right. close we came i think is only going to grow between now and no, november and, and so i don't see it i don't see it dissipating is what i'm saying i don't May It may not be overriding, but I still think it's going to have a big impact.
2: And I think unlike a Virginia governor's race where a young kid can basically kind of keep himself at arm's length and, and sort of, you know, legitimately get away with it in terms of Trump, this time, the combination of the sycophancy here of the fact that he's still looming on the horizon, the fact that this is a nationalized election. Now, isn't it ironic, by the way, Joe, we're the ones that used to hate having national elections, yeah, right? Exactly. We're the ones who always wanted to go local and state and don't nationalize it, right? I mean, that, I can't tell you how many meetings I've been in, you know, where 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 we either, you know, try to avoid it or well, or, or bemoan the fact that that's what's happening. Well, guess what, baby? We, we won a nationalized election yeah. this November, big time. And, and I, and I just think that, that, that changes everything. Again, I I don't, I think a whole lot of people, we we all are really good at looking at the mirror. And, you know, and looking back to the past and saying, well, this is the way it's always been. And how many times have we been shocked in the last three, four or five years about our politics and how it isn't all the way it's always always been. been.
1: Yeah, exactly. And And we may
2: be in, we may be in for another one. I mean, I will say, I just said to a reporter friend of mine, a retired reporter friend of mine last night, I said, if it weren't for the gerrymandering aspect of, you know, essentially the the house races and what's happened, not, I'm not talking about this year, I'm talking about what they've laid, you know, the way they've laid the waste to the whole system, uh, And created these districts to where you literally can't possibly lose they protect right but what they've done prior to 2022 right but if it if it weren't for that i mean i'd be on the verge of saying i think this could be a democratic victory, not just mitigating losses but it could actually be a democratic victory this november in the face of all of
1: the of the, the the indicators that
2: would tell us it it shouldn't be.
1: Well, I mean that's the whole thing in a place where you know, where everybody's angry at everybody, and you know the the whole way you laid this uh, uh, conversation out from the beginning with the eight uh, percent right track. God, it's stunning, single digits. <laughs> but it is that when you they know that if they can funnel all that into a referendum on Joe Biden. Right, if that's what 2022 is about, if that's what they can succeed in making it about, that's why every other week they have another outrage. Right, you know, no matter what he does, Uh and inflation, you know, uh screaming that to the to the wind, and it's important. So I'm not putting that aside, but that's their goal, and the reality is, we want to nationalize this, and we hope for a national, you know, you know, nationalizing the race. Along the this extreme MAGA party and what it's, it and democracy, right? I mean, if if that's what the case is, I'm not even sure redistrict. I mean, I'm not even sure because in these marginal House seats, I mean, the ones that are going to actually decide that, uh, I'm not sure they win that fight there. I mean, I think it, it, I think we can hold the House. I mean, I think we could. I, I definitely think we've got an excellent chance right now at gaining seats in the Senate. But I think I think we may all be very surprised at how strong Democrats do, even with the redistricting and that that's clearly a big impediment. So I'm not putting you know, I'm not discounting um, it, but I think it's possible, of
2: course, four months is a long time and the news cycles are news cycles. But. This Supreme Court decision is not a small deal. And these hearings into what they really were about last January 6th is not a small deal. Now, we could all argue what might happen if, in fact, the Justice Department finally acts. And We don't know. We're we're in uncharted territory there, too. Yeah.
0: Paul, yeah, four months is a long way away. We don't know what's still coming from the committee. We don't know what's coming with an indictment, potentially. Joe, how do we make this stick? How do we not lose this momentum between now and Election well, Day?
1: Well, I think no matter how those things go, the reality is, and you're seeing this already, uh, uh, I still think they, the other problem they have is is their party does have a big s- split in it. I mean, uh, I, I think now of people who think they, that they're, they're, they don't want Trump to continue leading the party. Uh they're looking elsewhere. I mean, you have the whole Rhino Trump fighting everybody and his people winning, you know, winning these nominations. So, you know, I uh, look, it, it, the Warnock race with with Herschel Walker is a prime example of this, right? I mean, it, that should be a race, a very and it, it's going to be a tough fight for Warnock. That's I don't want to belittle that, but the fact is they're going to be you, you know, they've gone and nominated a, a MAGA nutcase in that race that actually makes it possible for Warnock to win, particularly as, again, what Paul and I have been talking about with you, is it, you know, in terms of when, it, when that's exacerbated by look at what the court's doing, look at what Trump did on January 6th that we didn't know about. I mean, all these things I think are just sort of feeding into a big problem for them. On a whole bunch of different fault lines, including people who will be upset that Trump is being right. cast aside. I mean, you look at the new poll, that poll in New Hampshire where DeSantis has pulled into the lead, There are going to be a lot of MAGA folks that aren't happy about it. Even, I mean, some of right. them really like DeSantis too, but I think there's a, a real fault line. There's several fault lines, but beyond the ones even. Paul talked about at the very beginning of, the, of and it,
2: the podcast. And let's not forget that, I mean, the mere, the, the simple fact that Warnock is there and that we hold the majority and the, the, that the Senate became 50-50 and we got the majority because of the deciding vote from Kamala Harris was because of, there was a huge schism exactly. in Georgia then on this very thing between the, the Trumpers and the non-Trumpers and Trump ultimately Ray, you know, put his hands in the air and said, I, "I don't, I can't support these people," and it created this problem. And if they, if those, which, whichever side of that equation you're on, if those things get split be, because of real events, political or judicial, uh, over the next four months, it's, it, it will absolutely create problems for them. I mean, they'd like everything to be all nice and compact. We don't like Joe Biden. We are upset about gas prices. We think crime's out of control. immigration has been mishandled. Vote vote for us and and you know and, and it may not be so simple.
1: No, you're already seeing a lot of these candidates, you know the, after the now that the hearings have gone, all those people that were banging the drum about uh, for the big lie, they're suddenly starting to become very quiet as candidates. They're not talking about that I- anymore. so the the more the hearings go and and then the question is. Well, how come you're not defending Trump? I mean, this is what I'm trying to say. I mean, there's going to be some some real schisms um, where people are going to be demanding that they stand up and defend their guy. And a lot of these people are not going to do it anymore. Um, and that's going to, and that could depress their turnout. I mean, I just think there's other things going on that uh, both the hearings and Roe have, uh, the court decision, we're seeing signs of of intensity changing and, and moving around and, and votes moving, but I'm not sure that you know this early on we don't we even understand how how, how the big the impact could be, uh, and it could be a lot it could be really big.
0: So got one more and Paul you're gonna laugh at this one it's kind of out of left field but uh, Navigator which everyone should sign up for that newsletter uh, released a poll last week. And saying that by a 30 point margin, Americans support getting rid of the electoral college for presidential elections so the candidate with the most votes nationally always wins. It was 58 support, 28 opposed. The interesting thing about that is They've been is my that
2: client, by the way. I've worked for National Popular Vote for, for over a decade.
0: Go ahead. The swing in Republicans. Wait, wait, wait. In so you're poll- doing
2: these polls? No, I didn't do that poll, but, okay, I, but okay. I have. I have. I've been on the side of getting rid of the Electoral College for over a decade now. Okay.
0: Well, the interesting thing from this poll is that it's not just Democrats anymore. It's uh, Republicans were. I think it was like yeah. underwater by twenty points. It was this. This poll I had them as plus one. You guys read anything into that?
2: Well, I think it's two things. One, it's just one more example of the horrible dysfunction of our institutions that permeates everything, and. Why wouldn't the electoral college be part of that? And then secondly, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's some American people aren't dumb. I mean, they're they actually look at the, 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 what we've created here and the chaos that has been become created. And the the fact that, you know, some clown running for secretary of state in some state, you know, might actually determine, you know, against the will of the people, the American people supposedly the greatest democracy on earth, could determine who becomes the leader of the free world. I mean that that is actually what the the ludicrous nature of where we are. The problem however though Alex in very real terms is you're not going to convince let state legislators in you know there's a compact that could be passed that would do it. It wouldn't take a constitutional amendment. There's a compact of states that if enough states agreed that if we're all on board with this that the winner of the popular vote becomes president they get our electoral votes it's done but you're never going to see it as long as the republicans decide that's not in their interest and so that's still the problem and it would be true for a constitutional amendment obviously right. even more dramatically because you it's, the higher threshold
1: it's never going to be in their interest to get rid right. of the electoral and, college and, and, and not right now it's not no no so that it's it's a it, that, it's another one of those where you know a, a large majority of the American people are for it, uh but that's not gonna happen uh it, it, same with roe v Wade right I mean big majorities uh support it did not want to see it thrown out, didn't matter court did what it what it did the same thing's gonna happen on the on the electoral college if it ever got to to you know but most Americans you know have have uh get that you know. Exactly what Paul said, that, you know, it's, it's, they, I, I think the thing that's happened is the, for until the last few elections, they did, most Americans didn't know what, that the Electoral College could be this, this kind of a decider and that one state, one bad apple, one bad secretary of state could do something. They get that now. Or one um, mob
2: that got yeah. to a vice, vice president yeah. and then told him to yeah. that uh, back and then backed by a Supreme Court. I mean, you know, we all understand the scenarios here and they what seemed like a a poorly written political novel 20 years ago now now looks like real life to us. But yeah. You know, I mean, I guess the the one I I would end it on this, Alex, which is the scary thing for us is, of course, we try to be optimists, and we're in the middle of a campaign cycle, and it's like we can get our vote out, and people are reacting, you know, and you and you get sort of you get, you know, I think you get some more, you know, it gets into your bloodstream, and you just start feeling that this can all happen, and isn't this wonderful? What if significant parts of our electorate essentially make a decision that they can't achieve anything. It's not worth it. It's all a waste and they disappear. And from the voting process and then God help us. Well, that's what,
1: that's, that's what they're counting on. That's right. I mean, the whole thing with authoritarian movements is to exhaust people, exhaust until you give up. uh, And that's what, that's what, but interestingly, you know, that's what I see as big hope here going into the July 4th weekend is that uh, uh you're starting to see that things they did, I think, believing people were too exhausted or ready to throw in the towel is actually energizing in time to create uh, to create the kind of energy needed in in uh, November of 2022 to to to. To stop the direction the authoritarian that trump and these guys were trying to take us in that's what we got to hope for that's what we got to fight for thanks paul for coming on and thanks everyone for listening to that trippy show hope everyone has a great fourth of july weekend we'll be back next week and of course please subscribe to that trippy show and leave a review on apple or wherever you listen you can always send us a question to that trippy show at gmail.com or leave us a question and a review on itunes paul thanks a lot for being with us. Really insightful. Thank you. Anytime, Joe.
2: Stigmas around mental health were designed to hold us down, but we don't have to let them. If you're struggling, text or call 988 to connect with a trained crisis counselor who won't judge. Just listen. 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Hope has a new number.